let's get into the word, shall we? Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 15. My wife did such an amazing job last week. So proud of her, so proud of you. And this will not be the last that you'll be seeing of her. I'm just going to work myself out between her and Jonathan and Dan and Cedron. Man, I can get that sabbatical I've been dreaming of, you guys. Actually, I, 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 <laughs> she's like, what about me? Am I going to sabbatical with you? <laughs> uh, so last week, Christy preached on John chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. 1 through 8, actually, and so we're going to pick the text up in verse 9. We're going to read from 9 to 17 together today. I'll reference last week's passages here and there just to bring some of those connections to what Jesus is doing and what he's saying. And we may visit uh, a couple other passages in the Gospel of John as well as in the Epistle of 1 John to, to piece together one of one of the greatest messages of the entire Bible. So, so what we're going to be talking about today, connected with what we were talking about last week, really is, when you sum everything up, it's one of the, the great meta-narratives or the great gospel themes of the Scriptures. John chapter 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain, abide, endure, stand firm and steadfast. Be patient in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. We're going to reference that. If you obey my commands, then you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands, and I remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now remember, two verses prior, he says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Now he's saying, this is the command that I am referencing in order for you to remain in my love, as well as for your joy to be complete. And that command is primarily and predominantly that you would love as I have loved you. Verse 11, I have told you, oh, verse, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his or her friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, there's that word again. And what command is that? To love one another as I have loved you. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit What is that fruit? It is the fruit of loving one another as I have loved you. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Here it is again. This is my command. Love one another. This is the word of the Lord. 
Father, today, in the name of Jesus, your Son, we humble ourselves before you. We're so grateful. We're so grateful, God. We're so grateful for your goodness and your loving kindness. It is your loving kindness which leads us to repentance. We're so humbled at the thought and at the overwhelming reality that you, O oh God, the God of the universe, would be so intimately acquainted with us that you would move heaven and earth and send your best to pursue us. You didn't wait for us to pursue you. You didn't wait for us to come and apologize. You pursued us. You made reconciliation possible. God, you are awesome. And Father, I pray today for a revelation by your spirit. And God, I pray today that you would take this this just this weak and clay vessel and you would infuse every word with the life and the breath and the spirit and the power of God. You would move us. You would move us, Lord. You would inspire us. You would lead us to be a people of love. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Guys, I... I really feel just a sense of the fear of the Lord on this because I, I really do believe that this passage right here is, is perhaps one of the things that's closest to the Father's heart. And, and we're going to get into how learning how to be a people of love and learning how to reflect Christ and reflect the Father in the way that we take his love and receive his love deeply and then pass that love and express that love and show that love and give that love and speak that love, that, that really is the essence of what it means to be a child of God. It's the essence of what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's the essence of what it means to be in the family of God, to belong to his family, a.k.a. the church. John chapter 15, verse 9. Let's look at that again. Jesus says this, as the Father has loved me. Let's start right there. As the Father has loved me. That's the starting point. That's the beginning place of everything all of life, all that we do, starting from this place of revelation, personal, powerful, life-changing revelation that the Father loves me. And that's why we make place for that in our services. That's why we put an emphasis on that. That's why we take time to proclaim the gospel because it is in the gospel that we hear consistently that God created us out of the overflow of love in the Trinity. He created us to love us and to give an expression of his love to us. And in our own volition, we decided to walk away from that love. And in his love again, he decided to pursue us, to make amends with us, to say, I'm not mad at you. I never have been. I want reconciliation with you. Come back into the family and live in the home that you were always designed to live in, the home, the house of my love. Christianity does not work any other way. 
If you look at history, it gets really ugly. If you look at history, it gets really, really ugly. And we can prop this up and we can justify it and we can excuse it however we want. We can take scriptures and justify ugly things in the word. And that's what happens when we don't do this right here. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. The crusades won't happen when we live that. You hear what I'm saying? Slavery no longer becomes a stain on the Christian church when we say, as the Father has loved me. Jesus was so, so aware of the Father's love. It was everywhere. It was all around him. Think about the self-awareness. And the question for us is, do we live within the reality of that same self-awareness? I mean, could you stand here and could you say, hey, as the Father has loved me, when I mess up, when I'm ashamed, when I make mistakes, when I sin, when I blatantly disobey him, can you say with just the utter confidence, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you? Like if we don't get anything else in the Christian life, if we can get, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Think about how many marriages Think about how many children, how many families. Think about how this will transform your fathering, your mothering. Think about businesses. Think about the way that you treat that coworker that it's really hard to get along with. Think about what the church looks like when we live in this reality. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain. Stay here. You don't graduate beyond this. You don't graduate beyond this. Remain here. Stay here. Stay in this place where you're living life from the center of the fullness of the love of God. Allow it to transform your habits. Allow it to color. Allow it to, to change the way that you react when you're fatigued, when you're stressed, when you're under pressure, when you're tired. That was, it's just, you know, the way the Holy Spirit works some of the stuff out is just amazing because, you know, this is the passage for this week and and uh, earlier this week, there was just there was just a little bit of a of a you know those little moments when you miss each other as spouses. Like, eh, you're kind of just man, we're not really connecting right now. And I was like, man, I just gotta, I just gotta, I gotta pull out. I gotta find out what's going on inside of me because it was all kind of this stuff right here inside of me. And I went to the scripture and I was like, there it is. It's because, it's because I am not living in the fullness of the love of the Father for me. And out of the overflow of that love, allowing patience, allowing kindness, allowing grace, allowing it to affect the words that I choose, allowing it to put self-government inside of me. Allow, are you understanding? Allowing joy to overflow. Yes, you're tired. Yes, you got a lot going on. Yes, you got things due. Yes, you got pressure. Yes, 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 yes. But there is something that is so powerful that it actually supersedes all of that. It's the love of the Father. It is the love of God. Let's keep walking through. Let's look at verse 10. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Now, previously, I looked at that, and I was always like, God, you know, kind of looked at it from a law-based thing. There's a lot of commands for me to obey here, Lord. <laughs> and I want to I I live in your love. I want to abide in your love. But, man, I don't know if I can obey all these commands. And he's like, <laughs> 
I know. And guess what? There's really only one. And if you really break it down, you can take that one and kind of have a little subsection to it. It's receive my love and out of the fullness of that love, love me and by loving me, allow my, your love for me to love others. That's it. That's it. There's, I'm telling you guys, that's it. Because if you live those two things, if you live those two things out, everything else is taken care of. Do not lie, do not cheat, do not steal, do not murder. Do not commit adultery, do not covet. Hey, listen, if you love God and you love your neighbor as you love yourself, all that's done, it's taken care of. Most of the things that plague us, uh, most of the things that kind of get inside of us, most of the things that we would quantify or qualify as I sinned this week, really all go back to love of God, love of neighbor. And somehow, I was sharing this with our pre-service team, somehow, I think what we've done and I'm not exactly sure, but I'm going to find out for you. But I think what we've done is somehow over the years, this, this Gnostic, dualistic ideology has crept in that essentially says if it relates to God, it's good. If it relates to God, it's justifiable. If it relates to God, then, then we're going to throw all of our energy, we're going to throw all of our weight behind that because it's, it's God. And so I can get on board with love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I can get on board with that because it's God and it's spiritual and it's valuable. And so I can go and justify praying hours and hours and hours a day, or I can justify dancing exuberantly with all my heart, or I can justify fasting and reading the word because this is unto God. But here's, here's the thing that I think that, that we as charismatic Christians, we need, to, we need to come up a little bit. Because if all of my hours in the prayer house and if all of my hours memorizing scripture, and if all of my hours praying in tongues, and all of my hours prophesying, if that somehow doesn't, doesn't translate into me caring about what my friend is going through, if it doesn't translate into me being willing to forgive when somebody offends me, if it doesn't translate into patience, and kindness, even when I'm tired, even when I'm offended, even when I have nothing else to give, if it doesn't translate into the reflex of my life being I want to know what's going on in your life more than I care about what's going on in my life, if somehow it doesn't transform me, then we have to evaluate the locus, the motivation, the focus of all of this energy towards God because the fruit that Jesus is speaking of is the fruit of love for one another. That's the context of this entire passage, beginning in John chapter 13. See, this is why it's important that we don't just cherry pick verses, that we understand the Bible is written holistically. It's written in a unified, integrated manner. John chapter 13, let's go there. John 13, 1, it was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Having loved his own who were in the world. When we get to church membership, which we're gonna to get to this summer, 
God willing. When we get there, there is this idea, look, having loved his own, having loved his own. Now we know that God loves the world. We know that Jesus died for everyone, but he had a certain group that were his own. Are you, are you with me now? It wasn't this arbitrary, oh yeah, I love the leper and I love the woman with the issue of blood. That's not who we're talking about. We're talking about a group of people that Jesus says, you are my own. You are the ones I've dedicated and committed myself to. That's what church membership is all about. Yes, I love the world, but you are my own. <laughs> You're the ones I'm responsible for. And when I stand before God and he says, Jade, when I gave you a people to shepherd, I'm not going to say, yeah, but, but, you know, the people of Colorado. No, he's not going to say that. He's going to say, there were a people that I placed in your proximity. Love is not this ambiguous, you know, this, this thing. Love is tangible. It is physical. It is embodied. It is incarnate. It is expressed. It is a lived out reality. It is not just an idea. So Jesus, knowing that he is about to leave this world, scripture says, shows them the full extent of his love. And in the verses that follow, he gets on his knees, strips himself, and he washes their nasty, stank feet. And hey, hey, listen, they weren't wearing Jordans back then, <laughs> okay? Them dogs was nasty, rolling around in the sand and the dust and the dirt with their sandals on. And there was a specific position in the house. It was a servant whose position was that whenever a guest were to come in, his position, his responsibility was to then go and wash the feet of the people. And Jesus looking around says, Okay, I guess you guys aren't going to step up to the plate. No problem. Perfect opportunity to show you what this kingdom is all about. Perfect opportunity to let you know this kingdom is not about Jesus. Who's going to sit at your right hand and who's going to sit at your left? Perfect opportunity to let you know that this kingdom is not, oh, Jesus, they're talking about us. Do you want us to call down lightning and thunder on them? Hey, relax, relax, relax. This is a kingdom where we wash each other's feet. This is a kingdom that is tangible. This is a kingdom where if you see a need, you don't turn around and expect someone else to do it. This is a kingdom where you're willing to get dirty in the dirt and the mess of people's lives. Yes, I understand. It will affect you, and that's the point. You're supposed to get messy. You're supposed to be affected. You're supposed to get dirty. You're supposed to stink with the stink of the people that are around you. That's the point. Because that's what love is. That's what Christianity is. That's what our kingdom looks like. So Jesus then shares a meal with them. And oh, oh, by the way, oh, by the way, in this process, we find Peter. I just, I'm just so overcome right now. In this, in this process, we find Peter. And Peter, for whatever was working inside of him, says, oh, Jesus, you can't do this, man. You can't do this. It's, no, I can't let you do this. And Jesus responds and says, that's fine. That's fine. Because, Peter, you need to understand, for the life that I'm calling you to, because the life I'm calling you to is this life right here. The life I'm calling you to, Peter, is a life on your knees. The life I'm calling you to is a life where you divest yourself 
in order for other people that are around you, for you to care more about what is happening in them, for the work of God in them. That's the life I'm calling you to, Peter. And if you can't receive this from me, you have nothing of this to give to the people around you. And so, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you really, you really don't have a part of me. Later on, Jesus explains in John 13, 34, 35. Let's look there. I'm going to tie this into John 17. We're going to get there. John 13, 34, a new command I give you. A new command. We prophetic people like new stuff. Give me the new word. Give me the new command. Give me the new, yeah, I I got one for you. Here's a new one. And guess what? The new one never changes. Love. One another. Love one another. When you screw it up, here's the new command. Go to your brother and apologize. That's the new command. Here's the new command. When they screw it up and you're all locked up, here's the new command. Forgive. That's the new command. Here's the new command. When you see your brother in need, open up your wallet, pull out your Benjamins, and go help them. Here's the new command. When your church is trying to put together a work day, help. Here's the new command. When your brother or sister calls you in the middle of the night and you're tired, wake up, answer the phone, and respond. Here's the new command. When a widow is moving and you've got, you've got a golf day planned on your Saturday and you want to spend some me time, you cancel it and you go and you help her move. This is the new command. This is the new command. The new command is the the mark of maturity is not sheke brandelebo sakaye. That's not the new command. The new command is not check me out. That's not that's not the new command. The new command is not check my gifts out and watch me shine. The new command is not book deals. The new command is not conferences. The new command is how can I do the hidden thing of loving you right where you are at that nobody else sees. That's the new command. That's the new command. That's the new command. And listen, y'all need to understand, I love those things. Guys, I cut my teeth on those things. But I'm learning, thank you, God, at 1 Corinthians 13, that if I speak in the tongues of angels, and I'd have not love. I learned that if I, if I speak with other tongues and I have not love. I learned that if I give all that I have to the poor but have not love, then it's a clanging gong. It doesn't produce life. And that's what Jesus is getting at in John 15. Everything Christy preached last week, John 15, 4 and verse 5, unless you remain in me and I remain in you, you can do, y'all need to shout that junk. You can do nothing. And here's, here's, here, let's bring this home. Let's bring it home. Because this is part B of last week's message. We can produce nothing that is of eternal value. We can do nothing that actually matters in the scope of eternity if it is not fueled by the love of the Father. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Are you hearing me today? Nothing. 
In fact, let's just go ahead and look again at, at, at Chrissy's verse from last week. We'll tie this all together. John 15. Look at verse four. Remain, 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 remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. No branch can bear fruit. Let's just focus on fruit here for a little bit. We need to get that HVAC fixed in God's name. <laughs> no branch can bear fruit. No branch can bear fruit. Say, I cannot bear fruit. You know what that means? It means you are incapable, and I am incapable of loving people with the love of God if we are not born again. That's what that verse means. Translation. You cannot love people. So for however the world is defining love, I'm here to tell you, unless you are born again, it is absolutely impossible. But I love him. But he loves me. He makes me feel good inside. I'm sure he does. But he don't love you and you don't love him if you're not born again. It's impossible. It is impossible. Now, because we're created in the image of God, there's, there's, there's you know, there's echoes. And there's, there's residue. And there's, we're created in the image of God. We're created to reflect the love of God. So it's natural. There's something inside of us that hungers for that. We see it. We watch it in movies. I'll, hey, I'll, I'll cry at the notebook every time. Every time. So just lay down. Just. Ah. Don't you ever leave me. Every time. You see, you see a demonstration of a father loving his children, a mother loving their children, a, a friend loving. You're like something resonate. Why is that? Why does it resonate? Because we're created in the image of God and we want, we hunger, we long for a pure expression of love. But it is impossible unless you're born again. That's what that verse is right there. You cannot bear the fruit of love. And, and, and listen, the world, the world with everything that we're doing. Let me, just, let me just run on a little rabbit, just chase this rabbit. Let me just chase this rabbit all the way down. I'm gonna get deep in the hole. Honestly, we as Christians, we, we could be, I'll phrase it like that, number one, we could be. We have the potential to be. And dare I say we should be. Some of the most generous, there is, there's absolutely no reason why people should be caring about genocide, why people should be caring about hu human rights issues, civil rights issues. There's no reason in the world why people should be caring about poverty who don't have Christ more than we do. I'll just say, say it right there. I'll say it right there. And all of this... And all the dump, jumping and the dancing and the singing and the shouting and the fasting and the praying and the prayer house and all of your supernatural conferences, if at the end of that, you do not care that there are refugees that are displaced and there are foreigners and there are aliens and they don't know where their next meal is going to come from, if you don't care about that, friend, 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 come back to the simplicity of the gospel. Your Christianity, your Christianity is missing the mark. It is not about your purpose. It is not about your destiny. It is not about how awesome you're going to be. And listen, I sat under eight years in Oral Roberts University from them telling me, you're called to be a superstar. You've got a purpose on your life. I thank you. My purpose is to love God and to love my neighbor. That's my purpose. 
That's my purpose. That's my purpose. That's my destiny. I got a destiny. Yes, I do. It's to love you. It's to walk with you. It's to care. It's to say I'm sorry. It's to be kind. It's to be patient. It's to be, that's my destiny. That's my destiny. It's my vision. That's my purpose. It's not going to sell books. Everything that we do, well, I have a heart to go, great, do it, do it, but do it in the love of God. But I want to see the supernatural. I do too. I want to see the supernatural. Are you kidding me? Miracles. I believe in them. Motivated by the love of God. Motivated by the love of God. Not miracles so I can say, look what miracles I did. Not miracles so I can say, look what miracles happened. Miracles because God, God cares about what's happening in that person's life. Because God knows that if a miracle doesn't happen, it's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy their hope. And it's going to tarnish the image of God. And there is no other way. They need a miracle motivated by the love of God. Motivated by the love of God. Everything that we preach here, everything that we spur you on towards should all be motivated by the love of God. Otherwise, 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 no, it is not fruit. It is not fruit. It is not fruit. Let's listen to again some of these things that Jesus says. Oh, they're so beautiful, you guys. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. You don't have any joy? I'll tell you why. Let me help you. You want joy? Are you a frowny Christian? What's that? Eeyore. Are you an Eeyore Christian? Debbie Downer. I hope nobody's name is Debbie in this house today. Huh? I'll tell you, hey, you need joy. You need joy. Here's how you get joy. You know what? Number one way to get joy, express the love of God to someone else. That's it. That's it. It'll turn that frown right upside down. Hmm? You were created for life-giving, abundant joy. I'm not saying that difficult things weren't going to happen. I'm not saying that at times you might be sad or mad. What I am saying is, is when you dial into caring about someone else and expressing the love of the Father to them, something supernatural happens. And something begins to change, like Sadron said, on the inside. And joy, unexpressible, inexpressible, and full of glory begins to flow through your life because you were created to love God and love neighbor as you love yourself. That's what you were created to do. You want joy, love. Love, give, serve. Give of yourself, give of your time, give of your stuff. Give of your energy, give of your attention. Man, it's ridiculous. I talk with some people, I'm like, hello. hello. I'm right here, yo. I'm right here. Put the phone down. Close the computer. Stop looking at your watch. I'm right here, love. Love, love, love enough to put your life on pause and to enter into the yoke of someone else's journey. Love enough to do that. I love Jonathan said this day in a pre-service meeting. He says, when we choose to become a vessel, that, you know, the purpose of a vessel is to carry a content from one place to another, Okay. So if, if, if I'm going to take a vessel and I'm going to fill that vessel with something 
and I'm going to take that vessel and I'm going to pour it out to someone else. Yeah, they're going to be the primary recipient of whatever it is that's filled in. But guess what happens to the vessel? The vessel over time begins to smell like that. The vessel over time begins to become conditioned by that content. The the vessel over time begins to take on the character and the content of that which was poured into the vessel. If you want to be a person of love, love. And let the love of the Father flow through you to others around you. And over time, you're going to smell like love because God's been pouring love through your life so much. And I tell you guys, listen, I don't want to be known as the charismatic church. I don't want to be known as, man, they're so prophetic. I don't want to be known as signs, wonders, and miracles. I don't want to be known as open heavens. I don't want to be known as feathers and gold dust. I don't want to be known as angels are surrounding us. Praise God if all that stuff happens. Bring it on, Lord. But I want to be known as a people of love, that we love God passionately. We love one another deeply, and we love the world unreservedly. Let it so be said of this house that we, we have reached spiritual maturity, and the measurement and the mark of spiritual maturity has nothing to do with us. The measurement of the mark of spiritual maturity has nothing to do with your stamina in a prayer room. It has everything to do with how much you care and love one another in the love of God. Am I okay? Please hear me understand today. I am not knocking these other things. I am simply trying to put them in their proper priority in the kingdom. John chapter 15. I'm telling you, man, some of the best preachers on the planet are ugly. They're awful. They're awful, guys. It don't matter. What does it matter if I come up here and I preach the fire down and I go to the restaurant and I treat my server like they're trash? What does that matter? Or I yell at my kids or I'm cold to my wife or I'm, what does that matter? It doesn't matter is what I'm trying to tell you. I told myself today I was going to be nice. This is a message on love. And so I, I was going to get my nice love voice on. I was going to preach a good message on love. It was going to be inspirational. And man, the Holy Ghost hijacked me. Verse 12. Verse 12. My command is this love each other love each other love each other love each other you know how many times I've heard somebody and I get it and I understand I'm sympathetic to it I just want to know what the will of God is in my life I know what the will of God is for your life no 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 I got these major decisions I just want to know what the will of God is for my life I want to know what major I'm supposed to choose I just need to know if I just knew I know what the will of God is for your life I, I, I get it but I know what the will of God is for your life man Seriously, if we would be consumed with loving God deeply, receiving his love intimately, and giving his love generously, you know what will happen? You will discover your purpose. Because it is in the yoke of loving refugees or loving illiterate people or loving people that are marginalized or disenfranchised or loving the planet. It is in that yoke of actually practicing that, that something begins to grow so deep inside of you that you said, I can't do anything else with my life but do this because you've been captured by love. Oh man, I just, 
this might be Jade and it might be the Lord and I'm not sure, so I'm just going to jump out the boat and find out. You know, if we would just spend less of our time worrying about who won the elections, if we would just spend a little bit less of our time trying to rally the entire universe together to get our guy in office and just love God passionately and love one another authentically, maybe the church would have a semblance of a witness in the world again. We'll find out. We'll find out if that was God or me. I'm in dangerous territory. I should probably shut this down. <laughs> okay, hey, let me, just, let me just read this. Last passage. <laughs> let me just read this last passage for you guys. And uh, let me, Okay, I got to qualify this, guys. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have prayer meetings. I'm not saying that we shouldn't care about those things. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. It does matter. But what I'm saying is that we cannot do those things in place of authentically loving one another. Because real societal transformation in our schools, in our businesses, in our government, in arts, in entertainment, in media, real societal transformation is right here. Love God deep and deeply. Love one another genuinely and passionately. Love the world generously. That's the, two, that's the, that's the key. That's the key. It's like the gospel. It's so doggone simple that we're like, that can't be the key. <laughs> <laughs> that can't be the key. We got to dress this thing all up in so many different seminars and conferences because that's so simple that clearly can't be the key. No, that's the key. That is the key. That's the key. First John chapter four, verse seven. Let's close out with this. Jonathan, come on up here and rescue me, man. Rescue me. Maybe it's not the HVAC why I'm so hot. <laughs> All right, here we go. Dear friends, dear friends, dear friends, let us love one another. Let us love one another. Do you know who wrote the epistle of 1 John? The same joker who wrote the gospel of John. And clearly, clearly, the people that he wrote John to didn't get it, so we had to write another letter and say the exact same thing. Let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Listen to this. Let it sink deep into the bedrock. Everyone who loves one another loves God. They've been known by God. They've been born of God. The fruit of a Christian's life is love. The love of God. One for, that's, that is the fruit. That is the fruit. That's the fruit. That's the fruit. That's the metric. That's the measurement. That's what matters, you guys. The love of the Father. Motivating, coloring, just all of it. The love of the Father. God's perfect, pure love. Verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love whoever does not love does not know God because God is love you know I'm reminded hold that verse right there in Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 through 23 there was a group of people Jesus says to them man you came to me and you said Lord Lord and he says I didn't know you and he says but Lord Lord we cast out demons in your name yeah that's fine but you, I didn't know you why that right there right there 
It's that right there. And praise God for casting out devils. I want more of them to leave, but let that be fueled by the love of God. On and on and on it goes, guys. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love, verse nine. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his most valuable, his most priceless, his most precious belonging into the world. He cared more about the world than he cared about himself, that we might live through him. Next verse. And this is love. Not that we loved God because it is absolutely impossible to love God outside of God loving us first. If I can scale down every other world religion, I can scale it down to this right there. Have you had a revelation of the perfect love of the Father expressed and demonstrated through him sending his son, Jesus Christ, into your life? Oh, guys, this is not a doctrinal thing. You tell me that you love God. You cannot love God until you have had a revelation of the love of God expressed expressly through Jesus Christ. It is a personal thing. It is a relational thing. It is not a doctrinal argument. We don't have to argue this. Have you kissed the face of Jesus? Have you, have you felt his embrace? Have you heard him whisper your name? Then I, I believe that there's something genuinely inside of you that loves God, but you can't love God until you've, you've experienced the love of God through his son, Jesus. Don't get into those arguments. Don't get into those arguments. You just cut right through that and say, man, I hear you, brother. Have you experienced the love of God? When you jack everything up in your life and you feel nothing but guilt and shame and fear and you have felt the voice of the Father come in near to you and hold you next to his bosom and say, son, daughter, I love everything about you. Oh, then thank you very much for what you're trying to sell. But I'm here to tell you today that my life has been transformed and redeemed and forgiven because I have kissed the love of God. This is not a doctrinal argument, guys. Not that we love God, that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If you don't memorize one verse in the Bible, get that one down. Tattoo it on your neck. So every time you're in the mirror, <laughs> some crazy fool is going to do that. Hey, y'all on podcasts and y'all here in this room, don't do that. I'm just joking for goodness sake. But write it on your heart. Dear friends, since God so loved us, let us love one another. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I had a pretty awesome I want you to hear something today. I had a pretty awesome experience earlier this week. And it just happened in the ordinary. It happened in the glory of the ordinary. I was meeting with somebody early one morning. We had a 6 a.m. meeting. And I was just talking with this brother, and we were, we were just working through some things in his life. And after that meeting, I drove home to go pick up my kids, take them to school. And on my way home, I began to pray for this man and his family. And I just felt the love of God well up for this man. We're not talking about major things like cancer. We're not talking about major things like death in the family. It was just normal everyday living, but there was something that began to well up inside of me. And out of my belly, I just said, God, I want to be a better pastor and I want to love these people better and I want to be a vessel of your love. And I'm telling you today, I'm not preaching today because I'm angry. I'm preaching today because I'm passionate for your soul and because I love you fiercely. I want you to know that there's something that's growing inside of me for this family, for this body, for this people. 
And I love you with a holy love, guys. And I'm praying with everything inside of me that God transforms us to be a people of love. Father, today as we come to the table, we're reminded. Shreda, let's just put that verse in there one more time. We're reminded, dear friends, since God so loved us, let us love one another. Tender us, color us, transform us. Make us kind and patient and forgiving and gracious and loving and joyful and peaceful. In all situations, at all times, with all people, make us aware. Give us eyes of love. Give us eyes of love for our husband, for our wife, for our children, our parents, for our co-workers, for our mailman. God, give us eyes of love. I pray these things today in Christ's name. Guys, as you come to the table today, I pray that you would take inventory. Not, in, not as an orphan, that you would take inventory. And you would just say, Lord, what parts of my life do you want to fill with the love of God so that those things become my natural habit, they become my reflex, and the love of God flows through my life. I invite you to the table, exit on the left-hand side.